Welcome to the Change Management Review Podcast, where we bring the best of change management to you. In this episode, Brian Gorman interviews Dr. Rachel M. K. Headley, CEO of Rose Group International, on the topic of IX leadership, creating high five cultures and guide transformation. In this final segment of our three-part series, Rachel takes us through the IX leadership mindset and change, how this model impacts several different areas of change, the importance of empathy, and much more. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hello, this is Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Rachel M.K. Headley, co-author of IX Leadership, Create High Five Cultures and Guide Transformation, for the third part of this three-part podcast series. In part one, Rachel introduced us to a simple four-quadrant model for understanding culture, In part two, we looked at how to apply the model in transitions. In this part, we're going to explore the IX mindset. Rachel, in this section of the book you write, the IX perspective begins with framing your perception. It's about letting go of what was and focusing on what will be. You go on to say, we have to talk about living in choice. You get to decide every day how your day will go, from deciding how many times a day to brush your teeth, to picking a life partner, a career, and a car. You decide. You can let people, situations, and timing get to you, but who does that serve? If you choose every day to be positive, purposeful, and driven, you have a much higher chance of keeping the BS from getting in your head. It's imperative that you understand these concepts, but more importantly, they need to become a part of your psyche. The IX perspective is casting off doubt, believing 100% in your success, and letting go of those damn stories. Humble up, live in choice, share your vision, and help your team live IX. You then move into a discussion on values, vision, accountability, and empathy. Why did you choose to focus the application of IX leadership on these four areas? Well, the, what, what, what happened to us, Brian, is we decided that we had, um, that you couldn't do the hard work of culture, transformation, taking care of your people, internal experience, all of the things that we really believe in very passionately and, and try to create simple and meaningful and elegant tools to help solve. If you didn't have some basics of how you see the world figured out. So if you think that you don't, the living in choice pieces is critical because if you're always a victim of your environment, you cannot possibly make decisions that are forward thinking. Um, it, we, we actually sat down and went, wow, I think we actually have a leadership style. You know, after we put together the book and we were working through some of these sort of what do we include and what don't we include, it became clear to us that we had to address some of these basic, uh, what we consider 
um, kind of basic leadership um, approaches. But as, as you know, in the space, a lot of people don't um, have this stuff figured out. So I thought, well, we better address some of these challenges. So the values and the vision are the things that we really feel um, to start with are the very, are most important. And, and we don't mean values like company values that are on the wall with vinyl lettering. We mean what we often deal with with values is all about how are we working as a team? What behaviors, like we'll have a room of executives and we look around the room and we say, what behaviors are we committing to? to make sure that the story we've created about who we want to become can actually happen. What behaviors are acceptable? What behaviors are we trying for? And so the values and the vision are really about what's our values as a team? How are we as a culture and as, as people on the same team going to actually work together? What are our values together? Now, sometimes that tra translates into corporate values or organizational values, but not always. You know, sometimes we, we go around a room and we, we do, like many consultants and coaches, we, we go, we do have our little process about how we come up with our top four values. Um, but what we're looking for is top four values of how we are going to interact together to affect real change to create the culture we want. And, and then we go down from there into the behaviors and what, what do we mean when we say we're going to have integrity? Uh, one company that we talked to, we had executives saying, we're not go when we leave a room, after we ha make a decision as a group, we are not going to go into each other's offices, close the door, and bitch about the meeting we just had and the decision we just made. Because, of course, that translates down into the staff and into the rest of the organization. It's not showing respect. It's not showing trust. And so that's, those are two things that we work at with every single group we work with. I don't think we've ever done um, worked with a company or a team that we haven't worked with that because that again, um, to our point, and I think the second podcast of the series, you had said that you're changing that immune system of, of a company and the, it's the behaviors that do it. Um, the accountability and empathy, um, Meg, my co-author and business partner, would be cheering because accountability is her thing. Um, she, I mean, it's my thing too, but it's her most, that's the thing she's most passionate about because in her, for her, she's seen leadership struggles with holding people accountable and no one really knows how to do it. And we all know it's important to do. And I think the reason that we have landed on accountability is such a critical piece and and we pair it with empathy let me just say because someone who's all about accountability and no empathy is a dictator someone that is all empathy and no accountability is gonna is getting run over and so by their staff by other people they're not leading and so the balance that's fascinating that we always try to achieve with organizations and people and individuals is that you want you, what we see as a consequence of not holding people accountable is that you give up your power to other people. And we don't mean power like dictator, but we mean power like internal authority. So you're giving up your authority to other people. 
So if you have somebody chronically coming in late and you don't address it, you don't hold them accountable to when they're supposed to be there, you are giving up your authority to lead that person. And frankly, lead other people because other people see that you're not holding that person accountable. And then that, as you know, cascades into your organization that, oh, well, Rachel's not holding you account her accountable, so she's not going to hold me accountable for this or, or Billy accountable for that. Or else you have differenti differentiating levels of accountability. So some people you're firm with about rules and some people you aren't. Well, that creates a, um, a question of trust and respect and and so accountability and empathy and balancing those is really about respect and trust also. But that's really the way that it expresses itself in real time every day in the workplace. And that's what we wanted to focus on. Everyone thinks and knows that you should have trust in your company, it, like tr you, that you trust each other in your company. But how do you actually create that? And one of the things is holding people accountable and have it, giving them grace for what for extenuating circumstances. But we really decided that you have to have this um, attitude of inquiry of, and the culture types is so important in, in this because if you have someone all of a sudden uh, out of behavior, let's say, start showing up late to work. Well, if you're there an independent, it might be that they just don't like rules and they don't wanna be there at nine o'clock, they wanna be there at 9.30 and because that's what they decided and that's a different challenge, that's a different, conversation that if you have a stabilizer who's coming in a half hour late and maybe it's because there's a lot of chaos going on in the office and they feel really stressed out and they get to work but it's really hard for them to come to work and so that's a that's totally different um, solutions and conversations than if you don't have that culture type perspective built in to some of these um, leadership practices thank you I, I love the examples that help show how these tie to the different culture types. When you talk about accountability, you introduce Mark Samuel's personal accountability model. Would you briefly describe the model and how IX leaders apply it? Yes, we, uh, Mark Samuel's accountability model is great. Uh, we use it all the time and we have modified it since the book publishing slightly to um, incorporate culture types a little bit more, um, to relate a little bit more to the culture type model. But essentially what um, Mark did is he, there's always a moment where you choose to either be a victim and ignore a problem or you are accountable and you actually recognize and own the problem. And it's this wonderful sort of split where we all know that moment. Right. We all know the moment where, um, let's say that uh, something cost more than we expected. We bought it anyway. Do we tell our partner who is expecting it to cost less money or do we just let it go and hope they don't find out or hope it's not a big deal? Right. Or um, in an office setting, let's say that we miss a meeting, a critical meeting or we're not prepared for a critical meeting. There's a moment where you say, well, do I reach out to my partner for help on this uh, to develop this better? So I, I, I go into this meeting better. I haven't had time or I forgot. Or do you just not ask for the help or not own the problem and hope it just doesn't come back to get you? Um, these are so important because so many of us um, 
conflict is a scary thing. And what this, what the accountability loop, what Mark really talks about for us, so the way we sort of take it on in IX leadership is that it's you, it's a, it's the ability to either um, deal with problems early and often or, or avoid problems and hopefully uh, they resolve on their own. But I guarantee you, I, I can't think of one problem that sort of fixed itself, right? And so when we think about culture types, the accountability loop comes in because uh, stabilizers, as an example, they really do not like conflict. They, they cannot be very, very difficult for them to plug into chaos. And conflict feels like chaos to them. And so they will, they don't own, they don't like to address issues so, quite so quickly and directly as people that are more chaos tolerant. And so this feels very, uh, in real time, it feels very passive aggressive. And so like, let's say um, I'm a fixer, so I like chaos and the stabilizer comes into my office and I'm like, I have this great idea and this is what we're gonna do and it's gonna be so great. And then I say, okay, Susie, what do you think? And the stabilizer will say, no, no, it's okay. Uh, no, that sounds great, Rachel. Um, thanks. And I'll say, do you have any questions? She'll say, no, I'm good. Sounds amazing. And then she leaves. And then what happens is Susie goes and talks to everybody else in the office, except you, except me, to figure out what's really going on. Because she's basically processing, collecting data points, um, and so then what I hear later is that she's talked to everyone in the office but me, like kind of going behind my back is a way a lot of people describe it. And so if you integrate these, the culture types into the accountability loop, you can start being proactive. If you know you have stabilizers in your team and you're a chaos person, you can start saying things like, I have this new idea. It's really amazing. Here's what it is let's touch back in two days and talk about what you're thinking about it. Um, or let's get a group of people in here. If they're stabilizers, they like that team dynamic. Let's get a team of people in here and talk about it. And that way you can avoid that victim loop by being proactive about knowing who's in your organization. So that's kind of how culture types interact with Mark's uh, accountability model. I love it. You begin your chapter on empathy by saying, empathy is often misunderstood as a soft trait. In reality, empathy is essential to powerful leadership. Could you explain this for us? Yeah, well, you know, empathy is one of those uh, challenging topics, I think, for leadership generally, because um, it's, it, can, it can be trendy in leadership, the idea of being empathetic. And I think that, you know, if Meg was here, she could tell you the history of leadership um, styles and how it's ebbed and flowed and how um, it used to be it was more of a dictatorship and now it's an, an empathy sort of rose out of that, arose out of that. But a lot of times I find that, you know, really powerful, hard-charging, um, type A, passionate leaders, a lot of times we feel that account of, like empathy feels soft and mushy and HRE and group hugs and that kind of stuff. And it's sort of like soft skills. It's sort of a terrible branding problem. And so for us, and, how, and the reason that this is kind of really important to me and it was important to me in the book 
is that I personally had a very hard time feeling like I understood what the role empathy played in leadership. And, and frankly, what I feel like empathy is and can be is if, if, if really strong leaders think of empathy as a, as a, a tool and not in a manipulative way, but like in a strategic sense. So for me to, to go out there and be like full on racing forward at a thousand miles an hour and not being aware and empathetic to how other people are reacting and engaging, that is a huge disservice to both me, the company, and the people I'm working with. And so for me, it's just a way to say, you know, that's really the culture type, that's really the, the essence of culture types. And the whole book and the whole framework is that not everyone is like you. And not everyone thinks like you and processes information like you and moves through change like you. And so having a dose of empathy means that you can actually build a team that is on the same page, that as is excited and running forward with you toward a goal instead of pulling in all different directions, being misaligned. Because if you don't have that empathy for the way other people work, then it, it's, that's how dysfunctional organizations are created. And, and, it, and we create them by, I mean, we create them with best intentions. And so having, a not, having um, an environment without empathy just exacerbates every kind of human interaction challenge that we have. And so I often think of empathy as a business strategy because I think so many people have a hard time knowing what empathy is supposed to be in leadership. And so that's kind of how we've translated it um, in the IX leadership format. Thank you. As we wrap up part three of this three-part podcast on IX leadership, is there anything else you'd like to add? Oh, there's a million things, Brian. Uh, ah. But knowing our time limit. Now, I think, I think the fun part, I guess the thing I, the thing I will add is that we, the interesting thing about having a leadership, what we consider the next critical step in leadership by allowing and encouraging and expecting leaders to take ownership of their culture and their people and the environment that their people experience is that up to now, so many times leadership training is brought in as a, uh, to, to help solve a problem. And often it doesn't help solve problems. It's for, it's, and so it's really challenging to, to have, uh, to work in the leadership space and say that, no, really our stuff actually solves problems. And so it's an interesting challenge to have a leadership style that solves problems in a change management space and that tries to marry these two things. And so we really feel like this is a critical new step in the direction where we need to go. And in fact, in, um, let's see, in mid-August, um, 200 CEOs got together and said, you know what, we're going to move away from focusing on shareholder um, value and start changing our focus to our people, growing our people, growing our employees as people. And to me, IX leadership is, is the tool, one of the critical tools that's going to be there to help all of those companies move forward into the future. 
Thank you. Yeah, as as change practitioners, whether we're change management consultants or HR business partners, project managers, whatever, um, the role of leadership is essential. We cannot be successful in change if we don't have real change leaders. So I thank you for your contribution to the field here. Well, thank you so much. It means a lot to be on your podcast and to and to have a conversation with you about this stuff. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Change Management Review Podcast with Brian Gorman, Managing Editor of Change Management Review, and Dr. Rachel M.K. Headley. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and like us on LinkedIn.